I thought this morning that Simon seemed a little bit touchy about, about his age, don't you? And, and I'd like to say, Simon, it's okay. Where are you? It's okay being 40. I mean... <laughs> I was going to say, we may not be able to share the stage with the youth band, but Steve and I, being of a certain age, you know, we get to be in the same gig. It's okay being 40. I want you to imagine something. Can you imagine what it would be like in Ipswich if in 10 years' time loads and loads of people had become Christians? Imagine if in your school the Christian Union was so full that they had to run loads of groups and more of your friends were in the Christian Union than weren't. Imagine if you, in your offices, there were so many Christians that, you know, spontaneous prayer meetings happened. Imagine if in our schools, our hospitals, our local government, there was such a huge Christian influence that Ipswich was a changed place. It was transformed from what it is now into something amazing because of the transformed lives of the Christians here. Imagine if that could be a reality. How on earth could that be a reality? Well, thank you, Andy. (laughs) Research has shown that in order to achieve this, we each of us have to play our part in sharing the story about Jesus with our friends, our family, and our colleagues. That is the only way it's going to become a reality. We have to be intentional, each of us, in sharing our story and his story with our friends. However, I know, and you will know, that actually it's quite difficult to do that. There are these barriers that seem to get in the way, aren't there? And for some of it, it just seems all too difficult. Now, we could spend a lot of our time this evening thinking about what the barriers might be and how it might feel. Can I have the next slide, please? How it might feel. You know, maybe sometimes it feels like this for us. It's just too difficult. We can't get over the barrier. We could spend a lot of time thinking, what is it that stops us? But I don't want to do that tonight. I want us to focus instead on God and how he can help us overcome the barriers. What motivates us to share our faith with others? Now, before I really get going... I'd like you to do a little bit of thinking, and I'd like you to turn to the person next to you. Poor Steve hasn't got any friends. Must be his age. Um, (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and think about what is it that could motivate you to share your faith with your friends. It might not be something that actually motivates you, but maybe something that you think should motivate you. Just share one thing with the person next to you, and then we'll get going. Not finding that too, too difficult. And I hope you've come up with at least one thing that you think should motivate you. I've asked Alice to come and read something to us. The readings from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, until chapter 6, verse 2. Verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due to him, for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since, then, we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, 
so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. From now on, regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled himself to us through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favour I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favour. Now is the day of salvation. So, yeah, there are obstacles, aren't there? And as we were singing that song, you know, the shackles song, I was thinking sometimes we need to shake those shackles off our feet and our mouths to speak about Jesus, don't we? And we're going to think about how are we motivated to do that. And in this passage, Paul says, in spite of the obstacles, we can be encouraged to share our faith. And he talks about what our motivation to witness is, And we're going to see that all the way through, the motivation is in fact Jesus. Jesus is our motivation to share our faith. First thing that Paul says is that we should be motivated because Jesus is our judge. Now my colleague Paul, who was here last week, told me a great story about when he was at Bible college. And I thought I'd share that with you today. He tells a story of when... uh, In his first year, one Wednesday morning, it was announced that the guy who was going to come and talk to them on Friday was a man called Ken Newton. Now, he learnt later on from the third years that this guy, Ken, was an Australian and he uh, was an interesting guy because he, he moved powerfully in the word of knowledge. What he would do... Uh, when he arrived, they'd sing a song, the meeting would be handed over to Ken, and then Ken would start walking up and down the aisles of the meeting, picking people out to come up the front. And I wonder how you'd feel if I did that now. So he would walk up and down and say, Alice, come up here. God wants to tell you something, and I want you to hear it right here at the front. Now, it's safe to say that by the Friday morning, all of the students were entirely and utterly, as far as they could be, holy before the Lord. They had spent the whole time between Wednesday and Friday confessing everything they could possibly think of that God might want to say to them 
And why did they do that? Well, because they didn't want everybody, all the students, to hear everything about them. They didn't want God speaking to them in front of everybody. They didn't want their dirty washing on show on Friday, did they? The thought of Ken coming and speaking to them in front of everyone terrified them. And it's a bit like that for Paul here in this Bible passage. He says... The thought, not of Ken coming, but the thought of standing before Jesus as my judge motivates me to share my faith. It makes Paul intentional about his faith sharing. Paul says, one day I'm going to stand in front of Jesus as my judge. Not to judge whether I get into heaven or not, but to judge what I've done here on earth. One day I'm going to stand and look at the crown of thorns and I'm going to look at the holes in his hands and his feet and I'm going to have to answer for what I have and I haven't done. That is not the best time to be finding out the things you should have done. Paul wants to be able to be standing there and hear Jesus say to him, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think the same is true for us, or it should be, One day, each one of us, you and me, are going to stand in front of Jesus as our judge. I'm going to stand there and I'm going to be able to look into his eyes and he's going to look at my life and he's going to ask me, what have I done with it? Then is not the time to find out that I should have lived more fully, like we were talking about this morning. Surely we should be living fully now. How can we say in light of that, I can't be bothered to share my faith. Do you know, some people say to me, Julie, why is it you're always going on about sharing your faith? You know, give it a rest. You're pushy, you're going on about it all the time. Don't you talk about anything else? I think it's true to say that faith sharing is, and this is the truth, is at the front of my mind most of the time. I can't help it. Um... I don't think I'm particularly pushy, but the the desire to share my faith is there pretty much all the time. And part of the motivation for that is this, that I know one day I'm going to stand before his throne. And I desperately want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not because I'm trying to earn his love or acceptance, but because I love him and I want to serve him. So I was thinking this morning that... You know, as we're thinking about how it is, how it would be if we only had a month to live, surely if we knew in a month's time we were going to stand before Jesus, it might make a difference to our motivation for sharing our faith. Second thing then that should motivate us, and Paul says, is that Jesus loves lost people. I don't know if you know anybody who's got a a hobby that they're absolutely passionate about. You know, it could be anything. It could be stamp collecting or a a particular football team or anything. And you know, if people are really fanatical about a hobby, they get all worked up about it. They talk about it all the time. You know, they spend all their money on it. You know, they can be quite (coughs) interested in it. And if you're married to somebody like that, you will know that you either have to kind of compartmentalise your life so you, you know, don't think about it, Or you get really into it, you know, you buy the football shirt and the season ticket. Or you just get continually frustrated and annoyed at them for being so fanatical. Paul says he's got a friend who's a fanatic. And that friend is Jesus. And Jesus is passionate about lost people. 
absolutely passionate. It's the thing that gripped Jesus' whole life and death, isn't it? Now, because Paul was a friend of Jesus, it seems that it's kind of rubbed off on him. It's almost like Jesus has infected him with this desire and love for lost people. He says, for Christ's love compels us. I think it should be the same for us, shouldn't it? If our best friend is passionate about lost people, it should rub off on us. Maybe that's difficult and you're thinking, I don't know, I don't really think I feel like that. Well, maybe the first thing to do would be to ask Jesus to share his heart with you. And, you know, believe me, if you ask him that, he will do it. He will do it. Paul tells us that one of our motivations to share our faith is the love of Jesus. His love for us, his love for lost people, his love in us for lost people, the heart of the Father. Third thing then, there's this new life thing in us, and we were singing about that earlier on, weren't we? It's like we don't live for ourselves anymore. There's this new life in us. It's like the seeds of a new person have been put in us and they're growing. And as they grow, this life of Jesus grows more and more and it kind of spills out. It should naturally spill out. Sharing our faith then is an expression of this Jesus life in us coming out. It should be natural. Do you know, since I've had children, I've noticed one thing. I've noticed lots of things, but one thing. We get through a lot of batteries. You know, batteries for the, the, mm, the trains, the uh, remote control canine, the lightsabers, you know, all that stuff. We get through them loads. I've got a friend who's um, got some rechargeable batteries. And what she does, she's got this little charger. She puts the batteries in. And that's fantastic. But the problem is, what if nobody takes the responsibility for charging those batteries and putting the batteries in? Then they're in trouble and they haven't got any batteries. It's like that for us, isn't it? In our spiritual lives, we have to take responsibility for charging our spiritual batteries. Because if faith sharing comes out of a spiritual life, that has to come first. And we have to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. If you do that, you'll be amazed at how you get new energy, new power for sharing your faith. Fourthly, I know you're wondering how many points I've got. I'm not going to tell you. Fourthly, (laughs) keep you hanging on. Jesus has taught us to see people differently. When I was five years old, my mum took me to have my eyes tested. And it was discovered that I needed glasses. And not only did I need glasses, but I needed to have one of those really attractive patches that you had over your eye. So I had these lovely pink NHS glasses, tell how old I am, and a patch over my eye. And I needed that in order to save the sight in my other eye. It's fair to say that my life, my life changed dramatically because of that. You know, up until that point, whenever I'd looked at anybody, it had been a blur. But I didn't know it was any different because I was only five years old and I thought that's the way it should be. And I had these glasses and I could see. It was like I could see for the first time. It was fantastic. Um, I think that's partly why I'm married to an optician, because my eyesight is terrible. <laughs> Don't tell him that. In this passage, Paul says, doesn't he, that he started to see things differently, completely differently. And he sees people differently now. He was a good Jew, wasn't he? And he would have known that, you know, who were Jews and who were not. 
But now it's like he can see people as they really are, their true spiritual state. He can see people who are really lost and their, their state in that, you know, lostness. And he can see that people in Christ are a new creation. He can see the difference. It changes everything about him. Um, I imagine some of you might have seen the film Dead Poets Society. Some of, uh, some of us might have seen it. Um, there's this guy played by Robin Williams. He's an English teacher. And at one point in the film, he gets his students to stand on the desks in the classroom. Bit unorthodox. But what he's trying to do is show them the new perspective that they gain from standing in a different place. It's like that with Paul, and it should be with us, that we're standing in a different place and we see things from a new perspective, particularly the state of people, if you see what I mean. And that should motivate us. There used to be something called the medical lie. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, The gist of it is that either a doctor or the family of a patient would decide that uh, they weren't going to tell a terminally ill patient the nature of their illness. Um, I experienced this personally uh, when I was a teenager. My grandfather was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And my family decided that they would keep it from my grandfather. They thought it was kind. They thought that he wouldn't want to know. I have to say that I found this really difficult. And one day, shortly before he died, my grandfather asked his doctor outright, have I got cancer and am I dying? Actually, he did want to know what was happening to him. So his GP told him the truth. I think, I think sometimes in church, it's almost like we live with a lie. It's almost like we pretend that people that we know are okay. That our family members and our friends, well, they're all right, really, without Christ. When the truth of the matter is that they're not. They really aren't. And if we see people with real open eyes and a clear perspective, that will motivate us to share our faith, if we really believe it. Paul tells us that another motivation is the fact that Jesus has made us his ambassadors. Uh, The charity that I've recently joined um, has has its slogan, Bringing God to People. It affects all the ways that we as a charity spend money. It affects all of the ways that we decide what we're going to do, what's important and what isn't. It it just colours everything that we do, bringing God to people. That seems to be the best thing that we could possibly think about doing. And it's like that for Paul here. He talks about being an ambassador. It's like he's been gripped by this, wanting to bring God to people. He tells us that Jesus has asked him to be his ambassador, to represent him, bringing God to people. And the particular goal of that is to reconcile God, bring people uh, and reconcile them to God. Now we know that we live in a world that needs reconciliation in all sorts of ways, don't we? But maybe and I'd like to say this is true, the most important way that's needed in reconciliation is is reconciliation between people and God, mankind and their creator. And that is the job that we've been given. So each month, uh, as a a REACH team, that's the evangelism team, 
uh, we get together and we pray for each other. And, and then other times I try and pray for the members of the team. And the thing that I pray most consistently for these people is that they would be God's ambassadors. That they would be his ambassadors that they sta- as they stand at the school gates, as they go to work, as they pursue their hobbies, as they go shopping, as they live in their communities, as they talk to their friends and family, that they would be God's ambassadors, his representatives in the world. I pray that they would bring Jesus into their world. And that should be the same for each of us, shouldn't it? God has given us this task to be his ambassadors, and it's a really important job. He wants us to bring God to the places where we go with us. That kind of commission should motivate us, don't you think? This is the last point. Number six, I mean. This is Jesus' time. Two weeks ago, I had somebody come and see me at work who wanted to talk about a trip he was going on abroad. And he wanted to talk about malaria tablets and injections uh, to to cover him as he was going away. There was a bit of a problem, though. And the problem was that he was going on that trip that very evening. And I had to say to him, do you know, I think you've left it a little bit too late. In fact, you've left it far, far too late. I had to say to him, as far as this is concerned, there is a time limit to protect yourself And boy, you're just so far over that time limit. There's nothing I can do to help you, to protect you for your journey. And Paul is saying something a bit like that here. That if we hope to get to heaven, and if we hope that our family and friends are going to be in heaven, there is kind of like a time limit. Today is the day of salvation, he says. It's like, you know, if you're going to seek humanization for eternity, now is the time. I'm thinking about this morning, you know, now is the time. It's almost like we should be living as if we've got a month to live right now. You know, now is the time and the time is short. Let's not leave the things that we should be doing to another time. So we've looked at the motivations that we need, the identity of Jesus. He is Jesus, our judge. He is the Jesus who loves lost people. He is the Jesus who's creating this new life within us. And he is the one who can help us to see people properly. He is the one who has invited us to be his ambassadors. And he is the one who is available for people right now. I'm not saying this, neither is Jesus saying this to make us feel guilty Not at all. He doesn't want to make us feel guilty. He wants us to capture something of his heart for lost people. He wants to see the Spirit of God refreshing us in our hearts. Because he is our motivation to witness. Above everything else. I wondered whether you might want to, just before we sing again, is just turn to the person that you were talking to earlier and maybe... Maybe in threes if you feel more comfortable. I'd like you to pray for each other because this is difficult stuff if we're going to throw off those shackles. And we could pray for each other 
that he would help us and he would motivate us to share our faith with our friends. And let's ask for God to reveal his heart to each other, a little bit of that love that he has, and help us to overcome those barriers that we talked about earlier. So you want to do that now, and then we'll get back to singing. <laughs>